Dogs, swab the decks and hoist the sails. The guns on board be needed some proper manning. Pieces of eight and a fine wench on your arm. If you work, be not too shoddy. Careful not to flounder too badly, though, or you may have to dance the hemp and jig. As we see you to Davy Jones, the Jeffy, my boy, on with the show. Vast mihades. To our listeners from across all regions of the planet, welcome once again aboard the Robin Hood, flagship to the world's one and only cooperatively inspired charity podcast network, WPRPN. Live streaming today from somewhere just off the shores of South Korea's ancient and enigmatic peninsula. You've tuned in to episode 110 of Pirate Radio Podcasts. I'm your host, as always, the ship's chief communications officer, Jaffe Ryder. Kicking off our June 2018 schedule, Los Angeles-based author of various occult and conspiracy-related topics, William Ramsey returns to the Robin Hood once again. Having already produced several shows with topics ranging on everything from Aleister Crowley to Pizzagate and the smiley-faced killers, this week we tackle all things regarding the so-called West Memphis Three murders. Time allowing, we'll further discuss the often mysterious and tragic ends met by all too many conspiracy and parapolitical researchers over the years. And it doesn't look like we've got too much time to play around with here, so the captain has just ordered that anchors be raised and the sails hoisted as well. We're heading out onto the high digital seas for yet another weekly adventure courtesy of Pirate Radio Podcasts. Our guest, William Ramsey, was... It seemed like he had made it on board uh, just a few minutes ago, so double-checking now. William, do we have you there? Nope, he still might be off in the, in the kitchen fixing himself a sandwich or whatever it was that he was up to. So... I guess we'll just have to improvise a little bit here. Good to see Mr. Anderson and Joe Triple Three already dropping by, eager to engage and be a part of this week's stream, hoping to focus on the West Memphis Three murders, as well as if we have a little bit of time set aside at the end of our 90-minute stream with Los Angeles-based occult and conspiracy author, William Ramsey. Take a look at the number of casualties, deaths, and peculiar ends, shall we say, that have been met by any number of various parapolitical researchers over the years. So, 
Yes, not too sure what happened to William. He was, maybe it was from my end here with having muted Skype. That was the problem. So, William, can you hear me now? Yes, I can. Ah, geez. Yeah, you obviously couldn't hear me. We were uh, streaming out over uh, YouTube the past couple minutes. Did you hear the intro? I didn't hear the intro either. Ah, oh, that's okay, because I, I see. So it's a new feature here that a friend just drew to my attention, actually, just a couple of weeks ago, that you can share the system sound, but I, from what you're telling me then, just kind of troubleshooting things here, that when you mute yourself here on this end, it, it mutes everything, not just your voice. I didn't hear anything except feedback. That's all I got. Oh, boy. How about that? All right. Well, we're good to go. You sound pretty clear, and um, we have a... Nice signal. So this is the fourth time for you to drop by Pirate Radio Podcasts. I think the third time may have been a charm. We, of course, not wanting to hash over the same old subjects once again, decided on a new topic, and that is one that, of course, you are more than familiar with. Of course, you've written a book on the whole matter, uh, Abomination. I believe is the title, The West Memphis Three Murders. Devil Worship and Deception. Devil Worship and Deception in the West Memphis Three Murders. You're big into the whole devil worship thing, as our listeners well know. Uh, Aleister Crowley was one of the topics we covered earlier, along with Pizzagate and the Smiley Face Killers. So you seem to be of the belief, by and large, I guess, that there's, with all of these examples, a hidden, darker hand involved in the mess. Perfectly stated. Indeed. All right. As far as your pirate credentials are concerned, there's no need for you to show those because uh, you've provided them right off the bat, of course, with uh, the first show that we did. Listeners want to go back into the archives. We've got, once again, three earlier interviews that we've put together here. So you're only going to be able to stick around for the feature uh, segment, the 90-minute stream that we do here. It sounds like you've got a full load and a lot on your plate there. You're my fourth interview today. Has it all been West Memphis 3? I'd imagine not. What new projects are you working I on? I did, uh, I had a secret project interview, business interview, then I did an interview with Jason Horsley about his new book, Prisoner of Infinity, which was really interesting about UFOs, dissociation. And then I did a two-hour kind of a conversation about the West Memphis 3 and current events in the West Memphis 3 kind of general case because there's a podcast out there that's covering the West Memphis three right now. Well, can we find them on iTunes? They're not doing a very good job. Uh, yes. It's ooh. called Bob Ruff's justice. Yeah. Now, now you say they're Bob not Ruff's choose. One more time. Uh-uh. Please. I don't think they're doing a very good job. I think, uh, they are misstating and misrepresenting in my opinion, many of the simple facts of the case. Was it the first time that you spoke to them actually today? Today was was kind of a conference call. We actually had uh, uh, about six or seven people on the discussion and then 20 people listening. You can listen to it on the YouTube channel, William Ramsey Investigates. We just go over our concerns and uh, some of the issues with the facts of the case. But, yeah, it's uh, it's remarkable. bit of a roundtable, obviously, and bound to be a divergence and a range of views, I suppose. So I myself... Well, I would actually correct that because it was all people who were of a similar opinion talking about the case. So there really wasn't any conflict. And I'm guessing then from the <laughs> sort of uh, what you're telling us then, perhaps that they would be supporters of the uh, 
they're happy to see Eccles and uh, his friends released from prison then, correct? They believe that no, it was justified. They, are, they, they believe sorry. that they're properly found guilty. That's correct. Oh, I see. And that's a really complicated matter, too, of course, the way that they were released. I guess in the eyes of the state, they were seen as uh, guilty, but then released. It's, it's really on technical grounds, uh, some sort of Alford. Alford plea, yeah. They made an Alford plea, which allows you to state your innocence publicly while pleading guilty. And that's what they did. They pled guilty. It's actually unique in a lot of cases because oftentimes in criminal cases, people are found guilty once. But in this instance, which is very rare, they were found guilty in 93 and 94. And then they signed that they were guilty of first degree murder murder on August in August of 2011. All three of them. The case is just so... It's so bizarre, obviously, on so many levels. So let's just back things up then. For listeners that have no idea who William Ramsey is, you know, just a quick thumbnail sketch, and then we can maybe transition into, in the best way possible, sort of unpacking the particulars regarding the case. Perfect. I My name is William Ramsey. I'm an author and filmmaker. I've written three books, Prophet of Evil, Alistair Crowley, 9-11, and The New World Order. I've written... Abomination, this book, Devil Worship and Deception in the West Memphis Three Murders, and also Children of the Beast, which is about Aleister Crowley's influence on the 20th century. Children of the Beast, Aleister Crowley's shadow over humanity. So those are the two books. I just finished a movie last late last year called Smiley Face Killers. It's about a string of supposed accidents, which I call murders, that's happening in the U.S. and the U.K. and all over the world. So that's me in a snapshot. As far as the West Memphis Three case, it's kind of a famous case, and it got its fame from a documentary series that was put out by HBO. But the original, the particulars of this specific case was the disappearance and death of three eight-year-old boys in West Memphis, Arkansas, which is across the Mississippi River from Memphis, Tennessee. They disappeared on May 5th, 1993. They were found dead the next day in a submerged in water, actually kept down and hidden deep in water. Their bodies, you know, had horrific injuries to them. One child had his genitals removed. The other two... They were bound in a very strange way from the wrist to the ankles and drowned. Um, they didn't find out till later that two of them were drowned. The case garnered attention all across the country. And on June 3rd, 1993, one young man was brought into the police station there in West Memphis named Jesse Miss Kelly, brought in for an interview. He confessed to the crime and he implicated two other men, Damian Eccles and Jason Baldwin. They were all arrested. They were tried separately in two different juries. 24 people in total found them guilty. Damien Eccles got the death penalty. The other two, life in prison, Jason Baldwin and Jesse Miss Kelly. And the case kind of got repute from this HBO documentary. There's actually three of them called the Paradise Lost Trilogy. And it really started a groundswell of support for the three. There were a bunch of people who professed their innocence. And there are people in the public who profess their innocence and created kind of a cause celeb or public groundswell that resulted in the accumulation of a, of a sum of money that hasn't really ever been ascertained. But it was speculated somewhere between 10 and 20 million dollars, a very substantial sum, which allowed them to obtain the best attorneys. And they challenged the case on a new ruling in Arkansas that allowed for the testing of DNA evidence in past cases. And in my opinion, the, the defense team used that as a lever to 
arrange a plea deal to avoid court, a plea deal that would uh, have them plead guilty for time served and go on 10 years of probation. And so they signed that agreement with the full knowledge of uh, the best attorneys in the country, the best appellate attorneys, and they've been out now seven years. And that's basically the case in a snapshot. Where do we start then as far as trying to really dissect things? You are of the belief or understanding, your take on things is that they are guilty, that they are in fact uh, the ones responsible for the murder of those three little boys who were murdered and ultimately drowned after, as you say, semi-hogtied and thrown into a river there, located in of all places, Robin Hood Woods. So one of the things I was going to say with respect to this name, Robin Hood, is something along the lines of what of what uh, Bono had to say regarding Charles Manson and the song Helter Skelter, that the West Memphis Three murders, the illustrious uh, and historic, almost in some circles, I suppose, reverend or revered, hallowed name, whoever stole it, it's time for us today maybe to steal it back, uh, Robin Hood. Sounds good. What a weird synchronicity. I first started yeah. looking into this. I was like, oh, geez, that's kind of trippy. So Yeah, it was a nickname by the kids. The local kids nicknamed it that. Okay. Was this the same location as to where the Stonehenge-type architecture there or some like a semi-pseudo-Stonehenge-type kind of apparatus that, I guess, young people primarily would uh, meet at this location? and maybe, you know, do a little drinking and whatnot. And uh, as well as, I think there are some perhaps even rumors or allegations of, uh, as you say, these satanic-type cults or some type of uh, witchcraft and whatnot uh, taking place there as well. Well, throughout the case records, there's references by multiple people who made statements to police about a place called Stonehenge. And what it was was an abandoned cotton gin, and it wasn't in Robin Hood Hills. But it was in the vicinity of West Memphis that people would go out, drink. And according to the testimony on the, uh, the first confession of Jesse, Miss Kelly, they would kill dogs and eat them. So there was really savage things happening there. And if you see the downward-facing pentagram on the cover of my book, Abomination, that pentagram was spray-painted on one of the pillars of Stonehenge. So, that cut, so there's all kinds of graffiti there. And there was all kinds of, you know, information that came to the police that there was a satanic cult operating in the area. People uh, knew that people came and went out of Robin Hood Hills, that they heard strange things happen in that park. And that that information was, I think, pretty well known around West Memphis that something was up. So, yeah, Stonehenge is definitely a reference point for the West Memphis murders case files. The waters are really very much muddied by the fact that there were numerous people, I guess, who they ended up uh, retracting or recanting their remarks as time That's went true. on. They would flip. So we find this flip-flopping taking place, and which is causing all kinds of confusion, of course, because then what's the real story here? Who do you believe? And what's really going on? Uh, is you think it was motivated by the money, perhaps, that people were bought off? Uh, could that be one possible? Or fear well, and intimidation? Both of those, actually. Those are both well said. I think that there's a possibility of both. But I said there was 10 to $20 million um, raised. There was billboards placed as the these kind of new movies came out west of Memphis. There were billboards placed, a $100,000 reward for information about the West Memphis Street case. So there clearly was a financial incentive 
And some people came out of the woodwork, two guys who I think were convicted criminals, you know, saying that there was a dark family secret about Terry Hobbs, blah, blah, blah. And it was kind of strange. And then there was definitely uh, in this movie, West Memphis, there were two people who made statements in court that retracted those statements later, which very strange to admit to perjury. So, yeah, there's definitely something suspicious going on. There were rumors that the private investigator, Ron Lax, was walking around talking to people and influencing their positions. I don't have any evidence of that, but there's definitely, you know, something suspicious going on, in my opinion. Now, there was somebody else that was actually fingered for the murders, I guess. It was like a stepfather or something like that, and this is the person that supporters of the West Memphis Three really were hoping to shift the blame and focus on to. There was some DNA of this individual actually found at the crime scene, and on top of that, there was said to have been, allegedly, I guess as rumors uh, had it, some sort of secret ringleader of types who was never discovered. Any yeah, connection there to those two, perhaps? Or? Unpacking that statement, the, the stepfather has shifted blame. They Initially, actually, in the second uh, Paradise Lost film, Baldwin and Eccles blamed John Mark Byers. And now, the shifting the blame has successfully shifted the blame to Terry Hobbs. So now he is supposedly the prime suspect. And the defense, claimed, they went back and retested the evidence. And they claimed they found a hair that was consistent with Terry Hobbs. And that has that hair has never really been analyzed by a third party, but the supporters are very comfortable to have the drift of the notion that the hair is consistent with Hobbs to it is Hobbs's hair. So they're very comfortable with making that shift. Now, the lawyers would never say that. They would say it's consistent with, anyway, the supporters say it's Terry Hobbs. Now, even if it's a hair, it doesn't mean that he was at the site. The kids were at his house. So it's it's pretty specious. and. You know, I, I think it's questionable to have a bandy to bound when there's no third party. It hasn't been tried in court. It's never been tested or entered into evidence in court, which, you know, further diminishes any credibility people place to that. But, uh, yeah, that, that hair is, it's not Terry Hobbs. They've never proved it to be 100% Terry Hobbs hair. Right. And what of then DNA evidence of the West Memphis Three themselves? Anything found? at the site that would incriminate them. There's no DNA. No, there was no DNA that incriminated them. Basically, well, they were incriminated by admitting to the crime. They were also incriminated by somebody witnessing Damien near the murder site at the night of the murders being muddy, which you had to have might be muddy to you know bury the bodies. And uh, one of the interesting parts of the outtake of the original Paradise Lost film, they actually found blood on Damien Eccles' necklace. And the evidence was never entered into court because they'd already been moving along with the trial but i think an objective and an analyst of that said that the blood was consistent with one of the boys and damien Eccles, so it was a mix of blood but that was never led into trial there was luminol test luminol wasn't allowed in court back then you know there wasn't a lot of dna evidence either but they did a luminol test of the area and there's blood all over the area where they think the boys were murdered so there is no no dna implicating them that's for sure there was also apparently evidence that the police had obtained, which then mysteriously disappeared, as uh, so often uh, happens to be the case when police take evidence into custody, into their possession. Strange how that happens. What do you think uh, was behind that? What did? I don't know. Yeah, it's very suspicious, very sketchy, but there was a man, the same night of the murders, there was a man who walked into a nearby restaurant 
called Bojangles, and the guy got his name Bojangles, man. He was muddy. He left blood there on the site, on the site, so he was muddy and bloody. And, uh, they called the police, and when the police got there, he had, he had been in, I think the person had been in the bathroom for like an hour, so a long period of time. And the and women's the police bathroom got there too, took, apparently. That's right. Yeah, so he took, a, one of the cops took a swab, and that, that evidence of the swab of blood disappeared. And who was and, this individual? And, you know, Bojangles. Who was this well, That's man? a great question. Nobody knows. Nobody really knows. They think it's very strange that somebody, you know, the night of those murders, and some people have speculated that he, that person was involved, that there were other people other than Damien Eccles, Jason Baldwin, and Jesse Miskelly, and that he was one of them, and they just never got caught, never got implicated. Might have been the mysterious uh, alleged ringleader, Maybe. I think they called him Lucifer, and he was never, he was never identified. People have it, speculated today. Somebody speculated it was Damien Eccles' dad. Right. Uh, is there any chance that it could have been the one of the boys? I think it's the stepfather was one of one of the murdered children. Is how things work there. Could it perhaps been him? Perhaps it could have been John Mark Byers. I don't know. Nobody's ever identified him. There's been a lot of speculation, but he's been mentioned in different statements to police. Okay. Well, we've got uh, once again Joe Triple Three, Mister Anderson, dropping by the peanut gallery here in the live streaming chat on youtube what mr anderson is saying i guess this is with respect to the this alford ruling or what is it referred to again in legal parlance alford something or another the alford plea allows you to it's based on a supreme court case called alford versus north carolina and allows the legality of an individual to claim profess public innocence and be legally guilty and That's the awesome. reason that this was presented to them and that they took this course of action supposedly was so that then the state would not be, and let's not forget, this is the state of Arkansas we're talking about, people. I initially thought, oh, well, this must be Memphis, Tennessee. Apparently there's a Memphis, Arkansas, which I had never heard of until just, just the other day, of course. So, But that's so the state, in this case Arkansas, could evade any accountability and not be left on the hook as far as any monetary damages or legal suits were concerned is that not the case well that's what they said i gotta go back and look at what they pleaded to but i don't remember there being i gotta go back and check and see if they absolved themselves of any legal suits against arkansas but that was that was the public claim is that they supposedly had a claim against the state of arkansas for false imprisonment for all those years but they could have just gone a different route and sued for their own release and take the state of arkansas to court and win it but they did, they chose not to do that. I mean, they get, I mean, there's tons of innocence project cases where legitimate people who are not guilty have been awarded seven figure sums from the state. So there's an incentive by lawyers to take those cases. And it begs the question, why didn't any lawyer take the case of the West Memphis three? We are uh, looking at something quite similar, perhaps occurring with respect to the John Ford case out of Long Island, New York, I guess he finally does have what looks to be a court date coming up. He's been held in psychiatric custody well over 20 years now, and uh, you were referring to UFOs earlier. Well, there, there's a case. I'm not sure if you've heard of John Ford or not, but he ended up uh, walking into a real hornet's nest, some serious... Uh, political crosshairs there that he got swept up in and uh it's quite the story so he's never actually had a day in court because he was um 
actually put in a psychiatric institute, in which case then, from what I can gather, your legal rights are entirely waived and you're not, you have no right to habeas corpus. So, um, anyways, speaking of which, Mr. And and we are going to have a roundtable on this matter just for listeners, people that are curious. That's kind of one of the reasons I brought it up, I guess. Next week is when it's going to be taking place. So if people are interested in following up on the John Ford case, be sure to tune in. Same time next Friday night, 8 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, L.A., Seattle, Vancouver, 11 p.m. out on the East Coast. Very much uh, looking forward to that. This week, of course, episode 110, we have Los Angeles-based occult and conspiracy uh, that's mostly the two main areas of interest that you have. Author William Ramsey join us here for the fourth go-around, talking about the West Memphis Three. Speaking of psychiatric institutions and whatnot, Damien Eccles himself did spend a fair deal of time in such institutes, I guess, over the course of his youth. Right. Maybe you can provide a little bit of uh, just you know context to things. Well, he was uh, in three different institutions, two in Arkansas, one in Oregon, and they all had kept records. So when he was uh, appealing his death penalty verdict, defense attorneys compiled something that's referred to commonly as Exhibit 500 because there's 500 pages of his psych records. Uh, So he's got a voluminous psych record, and in those are all these admissions of blood drinking and violence and suicidal ideation and all kinds of stuff. So that's all you know, been offered or proffered into the case by defense. That's a very telling document. You can read through it. Um, I have it in my book. His psych history, interestingly, the one of the pages of the psych history was something showing that he and his mom went to see like a counselor or something like that the day of the murder. So he still was seeking some type of care right on the day of the murders, according to the Exhibit 500. And do you know much about the family itself you had? referenced his father earlier i don't think that they actually had the closest of relationships damien with his parents it was very uh you know there's a lot of tension there to say the least have they managed to reconcile or even even as far as their backgrounds are concerned might they have been involved in some sort of uh, witchcraft or cults of any sort and i think William has dropped out. We cannot hear him any longer for some reason. I'm not sure if he's muted himself or what. Hopefully, he's he's still showing up as being a part of the conversation here. Oh, and there we go. He has dropped out. So we'll try to remedy things here as soon as we can manage. Just to remind people, of course, this is episode 110 of Pirate Radio Podcasts. I'm your host, as always. Ship's Chief Communications Officer Jaffe Ryder, and we are experiencing technical issues. Sometimes Skype can act up, not always be the most cooperative. I the person whom you're trying to reach is currently unavailable. Please leave a message after the beep. Okay, William. Yeah, you just dropped out of Skype. We're trying to. I guess get a clear sense of what's going on there. Maybe the batteries of your phone have uh, run down. Not too clear on what we're looking at there. But I'm going to drop out of this call and uh, 
you give me a shout back when you get this message. Much appreciated. So there we go. West Memphis 3. What a case indeed. As William was alluding to earlier, it had become quite a cause celeb, as these things are known. number of people of some influence throughout Hollywood and the entertainment world in particular coming to the aid of Eccles and his two compatriots. Their names were Jesse Miskelly and Jason Baldwin. So hoping to get a little more into the particulars as far as their backstory was concerned, there's a fascinating audio recording people can listen to. It's the police interview, interrogation, if you will, of Jesse Miskelly back in the late spring, early summer of 1993, from what I understand, and it is really quite revealing. I'm not sure if supporters of the West Memphis Three would say that his testimony at that point had been scripted or forced, or he was in some way uh, coerced to say the things he did. Apparently, his lawyer did not want him to go on the record speaking to the police in any way whatsoever, at least not in a formal sense. So it is quite interesting, too, to reflect and think about how people's stories over time changed, flip-flopped. They recanted several of the key witnesses, people who were a part of things. Suddenly there was a change in attitude and the stories that they were sharing with the public. I myself have (laughs) no idea, frankly, what to make of things. Open-minded, but skeptical on all fronts. You know, one never likes to see anyone um, unjustly imprisoned. And we know as well, too, that there are at least a few people who do find themselves on death row and have been executed by the state in America and elsewhere throughout the years who have been innocent. That's just not acceptable. Not as far as I'm circumcised. Then again, you don't want people completely cheating the system either, I suppose. At least Certainly not in the case where you've got such serious crimes as these with respect to murder or rape or any other form of brutal assault or what have you. Nonviolent offenders, a little different story, of course. Oh, here we go. We have a voice message. What does this tell us? What do we have here? Okay, William. Yeah, you just dropped out of... Skype. No, we're trying to... That's my voice message. This is the raw feed, of course, that we are streaming out over YouTube. Something which is a little different from the post-produced product that we work on putting together for our 
steadfast crew of core listeners. A lot of work, of course, going into the post-production end of things. As well as with respect to the premium content that we try to produce as often as we can. Uh, That reminds me that we do have actually a part-time job opportunity. Looking for someone who's able to do a little post-production and take on smoothing over and patching up the shows that we've archived, the Rogues Gallery after shows, one-hour segments for the most part, conversations that we have with friends and fellow mateys after each weekly show wraps up. Five mind tokens per each one-hour installment is what we are offering and is out there on the table, along with the fact that you would be able to keep a copy of the bootleg content, and we would, of course, give you a shout-out more than likely during the course of each and every one of our midweekly Tuesday night World Pirate Radio news streams. If you're interested in finding out a little bit more, taking the job on, be sure to contact us at Pirate One Radio at gmail.com or Pirate One Radio at protonmail.com. That's the best way of doing things. It also might be worth your while to drop by the main website, WPRPN.com. That, of course, standing for World Pirate Radio Podcast Network. Big shout out to Joe Eminon, who's just dropped by. Great to see you joining us here this week. At the present moment, more or less experiencing technical issues. William Ramsey having just simply dropped right out of the conversation. Not sure why. Assuming it's a technical-related issue and that the batteries on his phone have completely died. So (laughs) hopefully he's able to find a, a charger, plug his phone in, or take whatever course of action whereby we can actually manage to get the ship back on course here this week. Next week, let's not forget, we do have the roundtable coming up, as we have mentioned already once this evening, this afternoon, in Asia, of course. Joe Eminon, hopefully going to be joining us, along with perhaps the likes of Mr. Kelly Freeman. Marilyn Carlson, and, well, we'll just have to see who else is up for the task. So last year, of course, Marilyn was off on an Alaskan cruise, as I recall. Richard this year, as with the last, unfortunately very busy with his work schedule. So he will not, unfortunately, be able to join us. We will hopefully manage to make amends and put a decent roundtable together. Regardless, 
recently having, in fact, put together a Friends of John Ford Facebook chat group. You know, one of the things which is missing from Facebook, speaking of John Ford and the like, although we do have a page in place that there's no Friends of John Ford or Free John Ford group that anyone has yet launched. So I might have to take the initiative on that one and put it together, uh, assuming I managed to, well, just have to make it a priority, of course. We have set aside a potential WPRPN network subdomain URL for John. If anyone is up for tackling things via WordPress, it's a pretty straightforward procedure. Only takes a few minutes. Unfortunately, because I myself am so swamped with having to just produce this weekly show and all that it requires, along with now the midweek news stream, that it's really tough to get around to doing these things that I would also like to see come to fruition. So, Richard Smith... Unfortunately, no. From what I understand, Joe won't be making it because of his work schedule. According to his wife, Linda, I believe her name is, Peter Moon, it would be great to see drop by. And, wow, here's someone we haven't seen for the past few weeks, Emily Anderson. Hello. Ahoy. How are things going with you down in Cape Girardeau this fine evening? Definitely uh, always good to see Emily drop by and lend her voice to the mix. Once again, just to remind people, we are currently, with now it appears four people, tuning in to join us for this live stream of episode 110, Pi Radio Podcast, experiencing technical issues as of yet, well, undetermined technical issues trying to get in touch with William Ramsey. We're going to give him another call. Hopefully won't simply... The person whom you're trying to reach is currently unavailable. Please leave a message after the beep. No, there we go. Very odd, very peculiar, very unfortunate. Let's see if uh, we've managed to connect with him over on Facebook here. What do we see happening as far as messages are concerned? Hopefully get to the bottom of things here. Quite, uh, once again, mysterious, peculiar. These sort of things do arise, though, all too often, and you simply are left to improvise. So, that being the case, if there is anyone out there who would like to drop by and join us, maybe Emily Anderson, as a matter of fact, if you're free, or anyone else who's currently a part of the peanut gallery you want to swing by skype and say hello to the rest of us here via the robin hood by all means you're more than welcome the door's open that's great to hear emily beautiful night stars are out <laughs> yeah we lost our guests i guess uh no idea what what is actually going on hope you're enjoying the slideshow though some great pictures of damien eccles 
and his other two West Memphis Three compatriots, or one might even say, assuming they're guilty co-conspirators, maybe they were framed. Maybe they were set up as, from what I understand, their defense would have you believe, simply because Damien was a little odd into witchcraft and the occult and had spent a number of stints in various psychiatric institutes over the course of his youth. Uh, A predilection for not drinking blood, just licking it. It's according to what uh, he has stated on the record. So, I frankly have no idea. My mind is quite open, and I uh, reserve any any judgment regarding the matter and cannot really uh, say definitively one way or the other what the what what the actual truth is with respect to this case in particular. So, uh, just maybe a bit of an overview as well, too, of our upcoming schedule. Not only the John Ford Roundtable, but uh, two other shows as well, too, that we have booked. Uh, Aaron Wadsworth, who is a fellow Korea-based expat, going to be hopefully dropping by in the third week of June. Regular listeners will remember him from a little more than a year ago now uh, when we put together a show dealing with Korean shamanism. It should be a fun and and free-flowing conversation. Aaron and and myself do not always necessarily see eye-to-eye on various philosophical uh, matters or political issues. He's an extremely bright, uh, not entirely young man, but uh, he's well-spoken and insightful as well, too, the way that he's able to analyze various issues and present his opinion. He does so in a very articulate and convincing manner. The fact is that we just, once again, simply did not always see eye to eye, but it is interesting to note that we seem to more or less get along and uh, manage to converse and carry on an exchange of ideas on uh, more or less friendly terms. Looking forward to that show very much. The third week of June, Friday the 15th, episode 112. Friday, June 22nd, episode 113, Minds.com personality Al Zombie. Uh, we had been in touch with Al and booked the show. We've got things up in place there. And it looks like we have a call coming from... Joe Eminon. Mr. Joe Eminon, how are you today, sir? 
Nope, I think he's muted himself. <laughs> oh, boy. You know, this is one of the reasons why I much prefer Discord over Skype. I'm about had it with Skype. Too many Russian spam artists is one of the problems. Endless requests for friending. Pretty sketchy, pretty dodgy stuff as well, too, most of these requests. Joe, do we have you? Yes, you do. I'm having a little trouble hearing it, but that's okay. Well, how's it going? Pretty good, all things considered. You're coming through reasonably well. Uh, let's knock wood on that, of course, because we've had uh, <laughs> nothing but headaches when it comes to your audio connection. But let's just keep our fingers crossed and uh, keep the show rolling along here. So as you can tell, we did lose our guest for whatever reason. I don't think I said anything which is overly uh, offensive. I'm not sure what the deal... I'm just assuming it's technical, of course. So we'll just have to see when we hear back from him. So just in brief, though, what are your thoughts then on the West Memphis Three? What you know of things? Not sure how well or closely you followed the case. And then after we uh, we discuss that, maybe we can kind of uh, shift the focus over to next week's roundtable. Yeah, um... Jaffe, I'm having a little trouble he uh, actually hearing you. Uh, I have to figure out how to turn my speaker on. So let me see. Do this in blind. You're coming you through. Right? Oh, you're coming through loud and clear. You're fine. So don't worry about that. If you can basically make out what I'm saying, we're good to go. Were you clear on the question that I presented to you? Maybe you should try some headphones. That might be another way of doing things. Yeah, I tell you, Skype, almost always a, a real headache, so very inconsistent VoIP app. VoIP, of course, standing for Voice Over Internet Protocol. We're going to end that call with Joe and ask that he calls us back when he gets his audio set up a little better in place. All right. Well, almost been an hour now that we've been putting this stream together, pretty much flying solo the past, oh, at least 20 minutes or so now, having to improvise something which, even though I managed to get a little bit of practice, of course, over the course of Operation Secret Santa, I still continue to find speaking and public presentation from a solitary standpoint quite challenging. You'll notice as well that most podcasts have often more than simply one host. At the helm, there's uh, typically others that are holding their hand or helping the right shotgun. Joe, we got you back. Yeah. Yeah, okay, yeah, you, you're coming through very clear, very loud and clear right now. You are too. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm actually using a much, a very, very old, uh, uh, I almost threw this phone out, actually. <laughs> it's an iPhone 4, and uh, but uh, Skype seems to work reasonably well on it without having to mess around with ports. Uh, I just have to go through a secondary satellite link up, and... Um, it's as good or better than uh, broadcast quality. Are you? So, uh, yeah. Yeah, go ahead. 
I was just going to say, are you familiar with Joseph P. Farrell? The name is familiar. I, I don't know who he is. If, if you well, remind me, I may. I may remember. He recently started following us on Twitter, actually. He's a very high-profile commentator, somebody that you find speaking out on a whole range of different issues, from the Secret Space Program to the Nazi rat lines, World War Two, and... Uh, any various other assorted and eclectic topics. So, yeah, but, and the reason, so he started following us on Twitter, and because he uh-huh. did that, I'm thinking that, gee, maybe we should book the guy. Up until now, we've been reluctant to, because as you know, with our mandate, we focus mostly on people from the underground, you know? <laughs> it doesn't hurt to have a celebrity on now and then. Oh, no, that's I don't that's think right. so, you know? No, sure, sure. And, uh, Possibly book, uh, you know, two or three guests uh, for, you know, similar topics. Um, uh, you know, I mean, you're handling the thing I pra- most of the time by yourself. Am I correct? I mean, you, you, you rarely have people in the crow's nest. Well, uh, it kind of depends, I guess, from week to week. This time around uh, Kaiser Schuff, who had actually joined us here over the last couple of shows, bowed out. I'm guessing that he had some, you know, personal business to attend to. So, um, and I'm not sure as far as his participation in any further upcoming world pirate radio news, the midweek news streams that we're doing on Tuesday nights, if he'll be joining us or not, we'll just have to see, play that one by ear. But yeah, I'm really kind of uh, reluctant to step out onto the high wire alone <laughs> it's a real ba- it's a oh. delicate balancing act for sure oh yeah yeah because sometimes you have a guest that's not responsive or it doesn't show up or it wants to talk about you now the latest book for the entire show and uh you know when you get beyond a certain level you know that's usually the case it's a it's a tit for tat type of situation where you know they, they're going to want to monopolize your time with projects that they're working on that aren't really all that interesting to the people listening, uh, you know, unless you follow them already. And then, then again, what's, what good is it? You're know, having people that have something to say and don't have very many options, uh, getting them on, on, a, on a program like this uh, out, and, and it's global, right? You know, I mean, you, you know, it's in every time zone, I think, but parts of Europe. You know, it, it's very advantageous. It then attracts people of notoriety, you know, that do have something to say. You know, I, I, I'm on because, you know, I, I enjoy being on. I'm not selling anything. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'm just doing this because, uh, you know, I happen to have everything right here. But, you, you know, you should really have somebody backing you up and maybe a secondary guest, you know, where you devote half the time to one guest half the time to the other guests, you know, or let them interact with each other. And if one of them doesn't show up, they take the whole show. This has been a problem, uh, including the John Ford um, show, I, I think it was last year or the year before. The first show went off fine. The second show, it was just you and I, and uh, my audio was being interfered with, right? Even rebroadcasting it, there's a fellow, uh, Dustin, up in Maine, rebroadcasts um, these shows pseudo randomly from Maine, 
um, you know, locally, and, and uh, you can you can get it just about anywhere in Canada or the United States. He had problems on with that particular show. He said, you know, the audio, even after we diddled with it, it was still so bad he had to take it out. He had to cut it. So I really hope there's a greater attendance this time because there are more things going on with John, you know, with the new lawyer and so forth. It's kind of an important subject because, you know, you can kind of roll him in there with James Heydrich and, um, you know, a lot of other people. And that's a very topical issue. The, uh, you know, the people that are being put away for no reason at all or unjustly uh, uh, sentenced. It's coming to a head now. They're getting railroaded. And, Carolyn Rose Goida. That's another one, you know. Right, right. Um, exactly, exactly. She lost her house. We she have lost a, her, her. Sure. And we have another friend who we sponsor as well, too, via Operation Secret Santa. And all we've really managed to offer to this point has been a small $50 annual stipend. I think that's the best word. If you're on this show. Uh, you shouldn't expect money, okay? That shouldn't be your primary goal. Your primary goal is you want to get out some information. Uh, you have a built-in audience. It's not a large audience, but it's not that small either compared to other podcast shows and so forth live. And uh, people that really want to know what's going on up to the minute. Uh, you had a very interesting guest last week. I listened to that entire show. And, uh, you know, he's not looking for anything. He doesn't want anything handed to him. He doesn't want, you know, I, I wouldn't even take, I wouldn't take something if it was offered to me. Kaiser, are you uh, talking about Kaiser you know, Schaff? Yeah, yeah. Oh, sure. He's he a great. dog of dog of war. Right. He's a mercenary. Right. In fact, I was conversing with him in the uh, peanut gallery on YouTube. How you guys doing there? I can't see it because I don't have that screen. I can't open more than one screen on this stupid phone. But um, greetings, ahoy, avast to everyone from the ship's doctor. Apothecary. <laughs> you know, Robin well. Hood's official uh, yeah. scripted apothecary. Yeah, the good doctor is in. That's great to have <laughs> yeah. you, Joe. Every yeah, time, it's been, it's every been a time while. I... And technical yeah, issues, yeah, audio issues, yeah. too, always, right? So this is good. we got a good stream going here. And we got about another, you know, half hour or so at least. So, I mean, if you don't want to talk about the West Memphis 3 so much or even maybe spend a few minutes on that, I, I'm not sure what more you have to add to things. But why not talk about John Ford, of course, and then I can throw in just a few other random little... Can you clue us in some background? Because I came in about five minutes after the show started and I missed the intro to it so can you give me a, 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 a who are these people to begin with our guest is william ramsey he's a los angeles based author and uh researcher someone who's uh -huh. appeared on many podcasts not so much television and, and so forth i've only seen him once on youtube where he's actually revealed his face so he keeps a pretty low profile and Maybe for good reason, you know, when you're investigating these sort of dark corners of our world, subcultures and offshoot underground societies, you could quite easily make yourself a bit of a target. In fact, that was one of the things we wanted to try and dive a little more headlong into during the second half of the show and take a look at the number of uh, 
various conspiracy parapolitical type researchers over the years who just have met with untimely ends whether i'm not sure how much how many were imprisoned let's say so much as just died under mysterious circumstances or just flat out murdered you know journalism uh george knapp talked about this and how he had followed the las vegas crime beat for quite a right. few years covering you know mob activities and so forth he felt in his estimation ufology was actually far more dangerous <laughs> than covering the mob if you could believe that so i mean that says a lot for someone with you know of his i have status. heard that before yeah i jaffe i have heard that before and uh i don't know what What's behind that? Maybe it's because it distracts people from uh, believing what the government is saying. What's the rationale behind it? That, that's what I'd like to know. I mean, he just makes an outright statement like that and doesn't really elaborate on it. From what I understand, he just says it's more dangerous to investigate it than it is to investigate it and talk about it than it is if it was, were really happening. And I've never been able to speak to that because I want to know what he, what specifically is it the belief in what we're supposed to believe everything our government tells us? Well, we know we can't do that. Is it because it distracts people? Well, you know, people are distracted by a lot of things. And why not something that they might enjoy or, you know, spend a couple of bucks or there's some time out, you know, watching the skies? I don't think there's any any investigator that's gotten close to anything where the government couldn't come in and, and uh, put the kibosh on it and completely uh, kill it. And that includes John Ford. And the instances of uh, UFO appearances, they uh, ebb and flow, okay? They, you know, they increase, they decrease, they increase. And it doesn't really seem to make any difference other than to the people that are involved in investigating You'll see, you know, 10 calls a week, 12 calls a week go to 100 calls a week. And, you know, something is going on, but it's not necessarily space aliens. You know, it could be, uh, you know, it could be something that's being done for our own good. You know, a new type of aircraft being tested or something. Uh, but, you know, we, we don't know that. And we shouldn't know that sometimes. Uh, what if we knew about the uh, high-flying aircraft, the one in the, uh, in the 60s? That was kept very hush hush, and we're able to take photos of uh, you know Soviet bases, launch platforms, and locate the submarines out at sea. By them not knowing that we had this technology, it gave us the edge from a national security sense. I can understand that, but I don't see, I don't perceive it as dangerous. If they're dumb enough to let something slip out or have somebody crash a collected uh, uh, spacecraft you know, and then try to cover it up, it's their fault. I don't see any essential problem with investigating those things. I mean, people investigate Bigfoot. Does he include that? Well, John Ford is a living textbook example of what can happen to people when you do find yourself at the wrong place at the wrong time. Walking right into the crosshairs is what it would seem, and it was the perfect storm and the perfect mix of ingredients where politics met uh, the world of ufology, you know, with respect that, to this, the, the illegal dumping of the radioactive waste that was taking place and with his efforts to get a clear sense of what was going on with respect to this alleged crash that had taken place in the local park. Right, and not just that crash, the one on the south shore. 
But the essence of that was it had nothing to do with UFO investigation per se. It was the fact that he operated a legitimate UFO investigation organization and you go to conferences or produce conferences where other researchers were called and so forth, but not much attention was paid to it. It didn't get a lot of coverage. It was mostly jokes from the newspapers and so forth. Somebody saw him as a scapegoat. And being, you know, it's not dangerous for the people that are, that are uh, behind the stuff. It's dangerous for the people investigating the stuff because you can easily be called, your sanity can be called into question. And that's exactly what happened with John. That's why he's still in a mental institution. What exactly right? then is the latest developments that we see coming out via his end of things as far as this business of the new lawyer it sounds like there's a now a, a court date that has been set once again and who knows June 6th. well and this is interesting too because our round table perfect timing frankly we'll see if this all plays out or not because we're going to be following right up on the heels of the court date on friday june 8th i believe is the date we'll check the calendar here just to be clear Yes, indeed, folks. June yes. 8th, 8 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 11 p.m. out on the East Coast. Check your local listings and mark it off on your calendar. It should be a good one with, uh, I guess, the likes of hopefully yourself, Kelly Freeman, uh, Marilyn Carlson. There was another lady, actually, who I recently friended on Facebook. I'm not sure if you saw her contributing to the Friends of John Ford Facebook chat or not, the one that I believe Richard Smith put together. She has her own show as well, so I'm just going to check up on that. Do you know who exactly uh, I might be referring to? Uh, no, I, I haven't gone to that site. I'm trying to keep the heat off myself because I'm, I'm st I still live on Long Island, and um, I'm right in the middle of all this. I'm actually trying to keep the heat off as best I can. I've also been told to keep my mouth shut about certain things. And I may be testifying for John, not on June 6th, but uh, sometime shortly after that, as the trial continues. So um, it has to do with the manufactured evidence and his, uh, you know, his standing in the community, his sanity and so forth. There are other people besides the attorney that are on this. Hey, I think your guest just returned. One oh. half hour of downtime in Los Angeles. What happened, oh, uh, William? What power, power went out. Wow. Oh, man. How That's about bad. that for an auspicious? Whoa. Looking it's, it up right now. LAX I wonder, power. are they trying to shut you down? Was it a local event oh, or was it? It was all uh, over the city I'm in, close to LAX. Oh, oh my God. Didn't know that. Timing know is that. everything, people. We See? all know that. Timing is everything, so. Power right. and news information. Hold on. Yeah, $20 million <laughs> defense team. Uh, yeah, yeah, probably enough uh, pull to actually yeah, make the power grid go out if you really want to as well. Not that our conversation is anything, I think, more special, of course, than all the different interviews that uh, William has logged up to this point. He's well, done that's the first time, dude. <laughs> the first time that's happened. So oh. I'm trying to find something on Google, which is not telling me. How witchy is that? So, um, Strange. 
DuckDuckGo, have you ever checked out that search engine at all? Uh, that's one I prefer, actually. Alex Jones is constantly harping on about, well, if you want to know the truth, just Google it. I mean, come on, Alex, cut it out, would you? Like, really, you know, that's just a dead giveaway as to his... I, you think he would know better, frankly. I'm not saying anything about you, William, but Alex in particular, his uh, stature, his level there. So DuckDuckGo, though, yeah, very much... Uh, committed to protecting people's privacy and not data mining at all. It's definitely the way to go. So if you get a chance, check it out. There it is. I've, Repair I've outage been using 9.05 p.m. Outage reported in progress. Customers affected 4782. Look at that. Oh. How large of a region are we looking at then exactly? Just a city south of LAX. Just one city, it looks like. 4,000. The entire city lost its yeah, power. Crazy, yeah. Everybody put their air conditioners on at once. Incredible. <laughs> crazy. Now, how often does that happen, William? Has this the- never, never. You've never seen this before with the very rarely. How about that? Well, look, geez, I don't know. You, you've got uh, you're pressed for time as it is, and I just basically was left. Nobody's here. Everything changed. I can stay on for a little longer. Everything's changed because nobody came home or okay. everybody's out. Jeffy, right. I'm I'm going to bail out of the uh, conversation well, for a while, and I'll come back to the Rogues Gallery. How's what? that? I'm, hang on, hang on. Why don't you yeah. stick around until William has finished his dessert or whatever he's working on there? I'm not sure. Oh, oh, all right. Maybe okay. just, William, yeah. do you no, want to get, cool. we'll, we'll give you two minutes to finish your... Great. Okay, yep. we'll get, just mute yourself there, and uh, Joe and I can just carry along here and kind of wrap things up. We're talking about yeah. the John Ford case, which William has no idea about. Now, Grant uh, Cameron who is a very well-known, high-profile personality. Uh, speaking of these sort of uh, alumni, as it were, of the ufological world, we've invited to the show and had him on a couple of times. But what he said with respect to the Ford case was that, oh, well, that's too political. <laughs> you know, don't want to touch that's that. A, that's what MUFON did. I hate to say it, and it's nothing against Grant personally. I mean, I do respect the man, obviously, but on this matter in particular, it's a total cop-out. Because, yeah, it is political, but you know what, my friends? So is censorship, and so is silence, and so is having a man locked up unjustly in that sort of environment for over 20 years of his life, the way that he was railroaded. 20, 22 years on June 6th. What is it, Edmund Burke? How was it famously stated that the only thing necessary for evil to prosper is for good people? Good men to do nothing. To do nothing. We need yep. to act and to rally to his cause and to support him. And in fact, we did manage to make a bit of an impact, I guess. The uh, New York District, this is the highest law of the, the land, attorney, in fact. The Attorney General. We, the kinda, attorney we, General, we managed yeah. to rattle their cage just by having a podcast. How about that? Why don't you share, remind oh, our listeners of what happened there exactly? Oh, yeah. They, they tried to find all sorts of uh, tax problems with me. They were going after uh, one of the people involved in the original investigation in 1996 with John Ford was rewarded by getting a job as the town official who, uh, who the code enforcement uh, official. Okay, he's head of uh, code enforcement, which means if your grass is five inches tall instead of uh, three inches tall, you get a ticket. Uh, and you have to go into court, and you have to pay court costs and, so, and filing fees and all that kind of stuff, or pay a fine. They've been hitting me with that stuff for years, and it just keeps getting worse and worse and worse. Every time John is about to have a trial date, 
or if he changes attorneys, or if they're not exactly sure what's going on, because when John calls here, the conversations are kept short and to the point. They don't know exactly what's going on because they monitor all his calls, including calls to me, which I'm his power of attorney. I shouldn't be, they shouldn't be monitoring it, but they do anyway. And um, every time that happens, I get thousands of pieces of junk email. I have people checking my house out, parking in front of my house. And I'm not being overly paranoid about this because my girlfriend is the one that notices it. I barely look outside. I've been ill for quite a while. I don't go out very much, and uh, since I, I'm basically stuck in the house, I'm usually messing around with a computer or a phone or keeping myself busy. So uh, she said, how long has that car been sitting out there? There's somebody in it with a camera. And I'm like, wait a minute, what's going on here? You know, I'm trying to keep a level head about it. I'm trying to keep it square so that when I go to testify, there's nothing they can get me on. I have no criminal history. I have no psychiatric history. If they're going to bring up medical problems, well, that's fine, you know, but it's a legitimate medical problem, and I'm proud to announce that I'm uh, I'm officially cured from the original disease, but uh, I don't know what I have now. <laughs> Whatever it is, it's killing me, quite literally, and I, I'm going to the doctor on the same day, by the way, uh, on the 6th. Um, I'll be at the doctor. Uh, I have to have a battery of tests run. Something seriously wrong with my digestion, and uh, I don't know what's going on. But actually, that's why I wanted to get it off, because I have to hold down. I feel like I'm going to vomit all the time, <laughs> and it's not nerves, okay? This is a physical reaction to just to regular food, maybe because I've had disease for so long, and it's gone now that my body has been reacting to it. And now it doesn't have anything to attack, and it's overreacting. And My skin is getting attacked, and my digestion, and uh, maybe a good bacteria is getting killed off. I don't know what's going on. I mean, I'm not a physician. So that's basically, you know, the long and short of it. But I want to make sure that I'm, you know, healthy enough to go up there. Because John is not the kind of guy, if I thought there was one chance in a million that he could have done what they say he did, I wouldn't be backing him up, all right? He's the most conservative, the most level-headed, even-tempered person you would ever want to meet. I don't say that about too many people. And when I heard this and I, I saw what was really happening and I saw how they were reporting what was happening, I said, no, that's it. I have to stand up for this guy, all right? And I have to get others to do the same. And it's been going on like that since 96. And uh, it's only since the Internet became popular, you know, a necessity, basically, that it's been able to, the word has been, you know, been around and detailed information has been put out there. And now John is a um, financial threat to the state of New York and the county of Suffolk because as soon as he gets out of there, it's lawsuit time. And uh, you take 22 years of a man's life away, how much is that worth? And we're talking, he was, he was 48 or 49. He's, I think, I think he's 70 this year. I think he'll be 70 in August. Much in the same right. way as to what uh, was the case with uh, West Memphis 3, of course, threats of major lawsuits, the state not wanting to have to contend with that, and that Eccles and his two fellow co-accused were in a similar well, state of affairs, really, or boat, if you will. 
where they could have easily found themselves. doesn't take much to have somebody in a body bag in jail behind bars, right? So if they're too much trouble. And the same thing with someone like John. Uh, so we very much are praying for the man, uh, but also, you know, just the moral support that we've been sending his, his way. But also taking action, too, because that's really what counts and that's really what's important. And we're going to do that again oh, yeah. next week, as you're well aware. Janet Russell is the lady's name. She claims Jan- she oh, Yes, I know Janet. She's I, part I of do the group, know spirit, medium, intuitive, uh, TV host of Janet Russell Presents, animal advocate, and fundraiser. So we'll hopefully try to get her involved in the roundtable as well. If you talk to her before I do, Joe, then by all means, let her know that she's more than welcome. So... Herself, Marilyn Carlson, you, Kelly Freeman, I'm not sure, uh, Richard Smith, kind of, he's busy with work, of course, once again, unfortunately, but as it is, we've got to wind things down here and kind of shift the focus back over to William, who says via Facebook here now that he's ready to go, I guess he's finished his dessert, and uh, the power outage is still in place, but he's been able to improvise a little bit here, and we're going to... Okay, uh, yeah, I see his icon on here. Listen, it was great uh, speaking with you again, and you guys have a great rest of the show. I have to, I'm a little ill to my stomach right now, but I will be on YouTube watching this, and I'll try to come back for the Rogues Gallery after show. That'd be great. Okay. We look forward to your comments and, and contributions there via the Peanut Gallery. So, yeah. We'll Terrific. Ha- happy sailing. Thank you. Ahoy. Avas. <laughs> Ahoy, matey. Mr. Ramsey. That about does it. I, I am guess. here. Joe Eminon is, has wrapped up his thing regarding the John Ford UFO political prisoner case. Maybe, I'm not sure, if you're interested, you could check out the archives that we put together, the shows in our archives. We did a pretty good job of laying things out for listeners, what uh, his case involves in its entirety. So it's really quite something if you're interested in checking that out. But I will. I'm interested. Sure. You betcha. Daniel Sheehan is is not particularly, and there's others, too, who kind of, they want to stay away from it, not get involved, because once again, they claim it's, uh, quote, too political. But I mean, hey, what what isn't political? Non-action is just as political as doing something. Jeez. Everything's political these sure, days. Sure, you betcha. Highly charged, politicized, absolutely. You betcha. It's a All shame. Right, so you're back here, then... Uh, sailing alongside here with us once again all set to go what do you think is most vital then just in in a nutshell then to remind people of and to have listeners really think about as far as the west memphis three case is concerned just you know state your feelings regarding the whole matter as best you can in summary with respect to your book and its uh, thesis and findings and whatnot and then maybe we could shift the focus over just with a few minutes that we have left hopefully we can go to the top of the hour here too by the way just because of the power outage and time loss there but talk a little bit about william h kennedy as well as a few of the other people within the world of alternative research and parapolitics who have passed away or found themselves having to meet with rather mysterious or otherwise peculiar ends yeah that was a that was a strange one you know the death of william kennedy i think he wasn't in great health i think he was living my understanding he was living at home but he did some great work he was out of boston had his own independent website did some interviews but if you want to kind of distill really where the culpability and responsibility of the West Memphis Three rests, it's the people who were found guilty by two juries and then signed on the line that is dotted in August of 2011 that they're guilty. So they still remain guilty. They've been out of jail for seven years, and I haven't seen any action to exonerate themselves in a court of law. They've done it publicly, but you know they don't have this so-called evidence, this so-called hair that 
we'll go put it in court and let a trier fact to look at, you know, and that has not happened. So courts of law are there for a reason to assess and enforce and make decisions about legal matters. Why don't they just go in and do it if they have just outstanding evidence that exonerates what what implicates them? It's all the post-conviction confessions of Jesse Miskelly, even at the entreaty of his lawyer not to confess. He still confessed again and again. So Right. And that's something you know, I wanted to talk about, because was it done under duress? Was he being coerced by the police? I mean, it's all there. People can listen to these. The recordings right. are online. In fact, I think I, because I did listen to that via your channel, I, William Ramsey Investigates off of YouTube. You've also got a great show now that you put together, your own little podcast, and you've got an iTunes kind of RSS feed. So I've been, I downloaded all your archives and encourage everyone else out there to do so as well. Check out what you've got put together there. Genesis Porridge, the guitar player, one of the musicians that played with uh, Genesis for yep. a number of years. That that four interview, years. I was listening to that about three, four o'clock this morning, half dozing off, uh, fading, you know, back in and out of of sleep. Well, that guy was, too. you know, he was one of my antagonists for a while, but I was surprised that he agreed to an interview. But he told his story. He's told his side of the story, so I got to give him credit for that. You don't he, see eye to eye about the West Memphis Three. He had met Eccles and. He was in Salem, the eastern part of Massachusetts, so close to where Eccles was sure. living back in the day. He got off his bike. He saw he was right in Salem. He was saying, he, and there goes Damien Eccles down the street. He jumped off his bike, ran up to him, and started talking to him about Genesis yep. and whatnot. So they had a... Yeah, because they were in a movie together. It's called IRL. It's an independent movie. Where supposedly there were some firearms on hand right. to which Damien apparently was not to have. That was a breach of his the terms of his probation rumors that's a rumor that he went back i've never proved that i never proved that finally then well i mean there's so much this case of course and uh but one of the key things as well too with you know people encouraged if they want to do their own work uh, investigating looking into the particular surrounding the case yeah they um, can do exactly what i did which is go to callahan ak and look at the court cases look at the court files look at all the material not what somebody's telling you not even what i'm telling you you can go do it yourself do exactly what i did i provided a timeline to lay out clearly in day-by-day fashion what happened and when you can do the homework yourself a lot of people won't do the homework but the court cases are readily available you can listen to jesse's miss kelly's confessions just like you did you can determine whether he was cursed or not I don't think you could call somebody coerced if he if his lawyer keeps saying, Jesse, don't do it. Don't do it. He's not being coerced by anybody. He's being prevented by his attorney to do it. I mean, his attorney was doing the job he should have, representing Miss Kelly. Miss Kelly didn't want that particular representation and his relationship with that. The client supersedes what the attorney wants. The three boys were quite terribly assaulted, of course, uh, including allegedly sodomized and uh, having their genitals removed and so forth, beaten with fists and uh, various, there's there's a couple weapons that were involved as well. You would think that there would be some DNA residue or evidence investigators would be able to find if that were the case. It's important to remember when that case happened, 1993. It was 25 years ago. DNA was... Before the CSI effect, DNA was in its infancy. Not a lot of crime scene labs were involved in that kind of, especially, you know, in certain areas were not involved in that stuff. Because there's no DNA, you know, you'd have to throw out every court case that had ever happened up until probably 1995 or 2000, you know, because they were all dependent upon direct testimony of people who saw things or direct evidence or something like that because DNA wasn't really around. So I don't know. I know they found blood on the necklace and stuff like that. So. Are you aware of the court case file number, what it was exactly? Yep. 666. How did that come about? 
Maybe they just picked it. Maybe they just realized there was some occult stuff going on. They picked it, you know? Very important people to understand. Damien Eccles said on stand in response to a question, I know everything about the occult. He knew that when he was 18. You know, not now when he's, what, 40 years old. Back then, he was very knowledgeable about the occult. I showed proof that he had books and all kinds of folders and a book of shadows and all that stuff that they were involved in. Whether I think people who call them dabblers or don't think that that's a component of the case, I think are deceiving themselves or been deceived. He was very coy when it came to, he was basically being interrogated with regards to his knowledge of Crowley, and he was very, wanted to, for some reason, downplay that whole business. Although, as you mentioned in a referencing here, uh, his library, I guess, uh, there was a number of, the Satanic Bible, I suppose, would have been one of the books. Uh, Anton LaVey, uh, apparently, I'm not sure what he said about LaVey, or if he explicitly stated his uh, Satanist convictions, but he did claim to be, as far as his self-identification was concerned, a white witch of sorts, which right, I think yeah. is that kind of gives a, more of a, a friendly sort of uh, feel-good spin when, in fact, I mean, you can go into the whole business, I suppose, just in, in brief here because we have to wrap in the next few minutes, and I would like to kind of transition yep. a little bit back to this whole sort of theme of how it seems numerous parapolitical and conspiracy-type researchers, including the likes of Malachi Martin and uh, Michael Corbin, I think was another yep, name. Corbin, yeah. Um, Victor Thorne, uh, you know, a lot That's of question dead. marks there. Gary Webb. Lots of question marks. That was 2016, yeah. Gary Webb. Hunter Thompson, who I don't think is your most favorite person in the world, but uh, at the same time, there is some mystery surrounding and speculation regarding his passing so uh but before we do that yeah just with respect to this whole business of west memphis three and whatnot i kind of lost my train of thought actually to tell you the truth so let's just back things up a little bit there where where are we going just before i sort of uh, wandered well, off. Well, I, I just think the real question is, like, how deep is Eccles involved in the occult? He was a member of the OTO chapter in Arkansas. Right. His library was donated to them in their own records. They call it the Damien Eccles Library at the Arkansas, either Oasis or whatever they called it. So, you know, it's undeniable. Then they just found, you know, this guy Robert Horn in Arkansas just found a abandoned, what is it, rental storage unit that was filled with all these books of Damien Eccles that were signed by him that had all kinds of weird, all kinds yeah. of nasty stuff. And he wrote in there, he says, I'm not a devil, I am the devil. In his own handwriting, people who don't uh, see that he has an uh, unusual ideation, I think, are just deceiving themselves. It's incredible. They don't look at the facts. I don't know how people can look at all these facts and just brush them aside. I think it's very strange. Really, his own admissions. That business of the uh, library or I guess book collection that was left in storage. I was listening, actually, I think it was a, one of the shows you did with Ed Opperman, and that yeah, uh, was discussed. And in fact, the guests that you had talked about how there were a number of very sort of uh, kinky photos, and he didn't really go into too much detail, but they were fetish-related, I yeah. suppose, that were found. Very, very, very graphic. Yeah. So, I mean, if people want to look into Eccles and his background as far as the psychiatric records and so forth are concerned he does not come across as the most very antisocial personality to say the least i would not want to have him over to the house for dinner or <laughs> invite him onto the ship for any fun and games 
He'd be the kind of person I'd most definitely want to watch my back around. But let me just say this, because it's important to also play the role of devil's advocate. He talked about being beaten in jail and also right. having been forced to eat with his hands. And, yeah. you know, he had no fork. They wouldn't give him that proper eating utensils and so forth. But what do you say? What, he was afraid of being beaten by other members, even though he was in solitary for 23 years. Yeah, so no, when somebody are, verifies that for me, they should send me some information that actually verifies the Jail, case. the guards, actually, was what he claimed, I believe. I got to run, uh, bro. Let's, let's wrap it up. I got to go. Somebody's here. All oh. right, man. Sorry about the power outage. I apologize. Okay, uh, we will try to talk again, of course. What I've got in mind, actually, for the next potential meeting is Occult Hollywood. That's the only show that we really haven't covered so far, along with Crazy Days and Nights, which we've referenced before. I'd like to do a show on that at some point. So, All right, yes. William. Our power went out. So did ours. Oh, it did? Our power was out for half an hour. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to let William go. He's got to attend to other various matters there, of course, on the home front. Sounds like he's got guests dropping by. So we are going to shift the focus to wrapping this show up, folks. Episode 110 of Pirate Radio Podcasts. Did it get a little witchy for you? It's been a weird one. Kind of strange from my standpoint here via the ship's uh, central communication command center a lot of real strange synchronicities including this whole business of the robin hood woods so hopefully over the course of today's stream we did manage to do our best to reclaim the name once again charles manson stole the song helter skelter from the beatles according to bono of you too and in similar fashion this week Robin Hood was stolen by the West Memphis three murderers whoever these people were and I'm assuming there were more than one person if only for the fact that there were three boys that were killed together you would think that it would take more than one person to be able to commit such a uh, a heinous act all right folks we're gonna be back again next week with the free john ford roundtable thanks to everyone for dropping by tuning in and being a part of things we've got an after show coming up here from the looks of things pirate joe eminon has talked about dropping by so we'll do that either via skype or better yet discord appear.in is another VoIP app. We could possibly manage to make that all happen. VoIP, of course, standing for Voice Over Internet Protocol. Hopefully this week we will be back Tuesday night with our World Pirate Radio News show segment number 10. Been a lot of fun up to this point, of course. Every chance we get to stream out the weekly news show like to focus a little more on pop culture as well, too, if we could. I don't always like to keep things so serious. Even pirates need a little fun and relaxation from time to time. So, be sure to check out occultinvestigations.wordpress.com. On, on Facebook, it's facebook.com occult911. 
as well as William Ramsey Investigates, and, of course, William's show via Spreaker.com, YouTube, and iTunes. Really great archived uh, material there. Also, if you've enjoyed any of what we've managed to put together and present to you this week, you might want to think about dropping by Patreon, lending a bit of a hand as far as the tip jar is concerned. Kind of like what you would do if you were walking down the street and you saw a performer out there maybe singing a pretty decent little song or performing a magic act, I suppose, doing a little juggling, a little something to entertain the family and kids. In this case, of course, we're hoping to provide stimulating intellectual information with a slice of entertainment and all kinds of other good things as well. Let's not forget that half of everything that is donated to the network via the Robin Hood flagship to the world's one and only cooperatively inspired charity podcast network Half of everything goes directly towards charity, supporting people like John Ford, Carolyn Rose Goida, James Heydrich, or out of Poland, Canadian expat Richard Whipple, who's doing everything he can to repatriate his family, have them return back to Canada. Strange how, under the current liberal Turdo government, So many third world immigrants are brought into the country and handed all sorts of freebies, able to easily find themselves on government benefits, the dole as it were. At the same time, there's no effort being made in supporting and assisting backing the return of Canadians who find themselves marooned overseas doing all they can to return their family back to their country of origin pretty sad state of affairs thanks once again to the two pirate joes joe triple three as well as joe eminon emily anderson of course johnny canuck and mr anderson not sure if the two are exactly related or not but It is a small world. On that note, friends and fellow pirate mateys, until we meet again out on the high digital seas, on behalf of Captain Long John Sinclair and all the rest of the crew of the Robin Hood, I'm your host as always, the ship's chief communications officer, Jaffe Ryder. I know. There we be. Having carefully looked over each of our navigation panel instruments, checking every level, switch, dial, cable, knob and pulley, by all accounts and indications, we indeed see it's time once again to drop anchor inside Mystic Bay and draw an end to another week of Pirate Radio Podcasts. Remember... If you're looking for a little more lively online action, keep in mind we've likely got yet another great free-flowing Rogues Gallery after show coming up for the next hour in either Skype 
Google Hangouts, or Peer.im. Also, if you've in any way enjoyed or found yourself benefiting from the shows we've tirelessly produced over the past two years, you might want to drop by our Patreon tip jar page and lend a little support. Half of all network donations go directly to charity. Help to keep those numbers growing over on Patreon, and we'll be able to extend even more of a generous pirate hand. Looking forward now to the balance of 2018, we're still not quite yet booked. So if you yourself have a new, novel, intriguing, or otherwise underreported idea, unique individual, or pressing item in mind, be sure to either drop us a line directly over on WPRPN.com or fire us a quick email via PirateOneRadio at gmail.com. We're always open to exploring fresh creative suggestions, intriguing guest ideas, cutting-edge discussion topics, and captivating themes. You can further embark on your own personal pirate journey by either liking, commenting on, subscribing to, or just following us via virtually any mainstream social media platform, including Twitter, Facebook, Google+, or Minds.com. So don't forget to become engaged. Until we meet again out on the high digital seas, I'm your host as always, the ship's chief communications officer, Jaffe Ryder. Tally-ho.